Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Movie Talkers. We are your hosts, Hunter and Grant. And today we're going to be talking about Luca, the new film from Disney Pixar. And Luca is about a fish boy named Luca who lives in the seas by coastal Italy in the years 1950s and the 60s. And he meets another fish boy named Alberto who takes him to the fabled surface where Luca is not supposed to go because it's dangerous. But Luca realizes how great the surface world is, especially when he turns from a sea monster into an actual human. So now trying to live amongst the humans, his family is a little bit pissed off about that of him going to the surface. So they go up there to find him while Luca and Alberto strike up a friendship that'll last a lifetime. Grant, what did you think about Luca? It was all right. Um, it certainly didn't strike me as a Disney Pixar movie off the bat. Like if I were to walk into a room and Luca was playing, I'd be like, that's a DreamWorks film. Like it, it just, it didn't cut the Disney Pixar mustard as much as I expected it to. Um, specifically after the bar is so high after Soul, right? You know, Pixar's capable of so much more. It just seemed like it was, uh, no pun intended, surface level most of the time. <laughs> but ultimately, you know, Disney and Pixar, they're not going to put out a bad product. So it's not a bad movie. It's just not, not the greatest thing I've seen from them. No, it was a decent movie. Mm -hmm. I liked Luca quite a bit. It's just one of those uh, mid-tier Pixar movies, right. I guess you could say. Yeah. And it's like a lot of people discuss Pixar movies in tiers, where they're like, oh, it's just like, you know, uh, the Toy Stories and Ratatouille. A lot of people like Up. I think Up's just fine. But, you know, it's just like Ratatouille and Toy Story, like or Soul recently, like those amazing movies. But then you have the other ones that are like... Uh, Monsters University or uh, Finding Dory or like, you know, some of those other ones are just like, eh, they're fine. Or like Onward was another one last I year. I, I didn't see it either. I heard it was good, but I remember when it was coming out, a lot of people were like saying, this looks like a DreamWorks movie. It did. And uh, this is definitely one of the more middling Pixar movies where it doesn't have as much like depth as something as Soul does. But, you know, it's still a fun little adventure. I had a good time with it. I actually really liked the animation. It kind of looked unique compared to other Pixar movies. It set itself apart a right. little bit. And, and I, I should say, saying it looks like a DreamWorks movie is not a slight to the movie at all. It just seems like the way the characters were modeled and the, the way the sea monsters were modeled and the, and the way everything looked just seemed more within the style of DreamWorks rather than Disney's, and I wouldn't want to say cookie cutter here, but they, they're pretty stylistically consistent between mm. the movies. And uh, this one seemed a little bit of a departure from that. Um, not a bad thing, but it's just, it, it kind of, it looks different in, in a way where it looks kind of like DreamWorks, where it's from, you know, a different studio. It, it all has to, it's, it has to do with a lot of different things, mm -hmm. like the lighting, um, particularly what, what made me feel that way was the, the mouths and the teeth. It was like very Wallace and Gromity. Um, usually with uh, Pixar movies, I guess less, Less time and attention is paid to the mouth and the teeth, but I guess with this, you know, they transform from sea monster. They have the sharp, jagged mm -hmm. teeth. So I, I'm not slighting it at all. It just seems stylistically different from any other Pixar and Disney movie. Like take Wreck-It Ralph. I know that's just a Disney one, but it that that seems more within the realm of what I was expecting animation-wise. Yeah, and it's funny you bring up uh, Wallace and Gromit, like Ardman, that studio, stop motion studio that did Wallace and Gromit and Chicken Run and those movies. And um, another, I saw that the, the director he said that Ardman was an influence on the animation that he wanted to incorporate some like stop motion aesthetic to it. Obviously, it's a completely CG movie, but he wanted to you know kind of give it that stop motion aesthetic. And you know you say you mentioned that with the mouths. And another 
influence I read that the director was heavily influenced by it was a Studio Ghibli, and okay. he wanted it to look like Studio Ghibli movies. And I kind of see where he was going for, like with the environments and especially the cat. Uh, the, the the old frumpy cat that's designed to look just like the gruff father of the girl. Um, like that looks like something that's right out of a studio, studio Ghibli movie. Or like the mouths too, like the way that they smile and everything. That reminds me of Studio Ghibli characters like Totoro or something that have the big smiles with the giant teeth that take up the whole mouth. Like that type of stuff. And so yeah, I was, a, I was actually a fan of that type of like animation style. I know it doesn't really, like it doesn't, like I know what you mean where it doesn't feel as like high quality because I think it's just because it's so cartoony looking and like Soul was kind of cartoony looking but it's like some of those environments were so realistic and this one the environments like the city um, it looks just like an animated movie or like I commented about uh, in Raya and the Last Dragon how amazing the water looked in that movie and the water in this movie looked great but it still had a kind of a cartoony like effect and so yeah I think that's kind of what made it like like a little bit separate from other Pixar movies is that it doesn't have that modern photorealism that a lot of them do. Yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Um, it's funny that you bring up the uh, the inspiration for this movie because about 10 minutes in, I thought to myself, what is Hunter going to think about Luca going, oh, oh. <laughs> I didn't there's, a, that. there's a lot of anime grunting in this movie. There was, and I, I, I'm like, either Hunter's not going to say anything about it, or it's going to like drive him insane. But now that you've mentioned like Studio Ghibli, a, a Japanese studio influenced the movie, I can't help but think that anime was watched in between, you know, takes or, or something like that, or maybe you know, an influence outside Studio Ghibli. But definitely a lot of um, anime grunting. Uh, see, I wouldn't have brought that up if you didn't. I wouldn't have even thought about it until you noticed, because I didn't even notice it while I was watching it. Because I guess just because I was into the movie, and I maybe there's the the bias I don't have because I'm not watching anime. I don't know, but I just didn't notice the grunting or anything like there's that. There's a lot of ohs and oofs. But it did have more of an aesthetic where it was like it felt like it was made by a foreign studio and not like something huge like Pixar. And I feel like I have to circle back over and over again it, to it looking like a DreamWorks movie not being a bad thing. It just, when you see Disney and Pixar on the, the docket, you're like, oh, this is going to look a certain way. It's clearly going to have AAA, best in the industry CGI. But this one, it, it kind of feels like, um, what, what's that movie about the mouse in the sewer? Washed Up? Flushed, Flushed away. away. That's another Ardman movie. Yeah, right, right. But that was that Claymation or was that more... I want to say that was like CGI made to look like claymation. I'm but, not 100 sure. But it's sure. sort of bordering on that. And, and again, they, they took it as a, a influence. So it kind of all makes sense. It's not a slight to the movie. But again, it's, it's stylized in a way that I didn't expect it to be. And you know, it's beautiful. Um, it still holds like all the, the like um, fidelity that Pixar movies come with. Um, but it's the cartooniness kind of takes you out of that a little bit. Yeah, it's a little off-putting, but I know what you mean where it's like when someone shows you just like the, the picture you see on Disney Plus when you go to watch the movie and it shows them on the Vespa scooter and their mouths are all big and everything. I thought the same thing too. I'm like, this doesn't look like a traditional Pixar movie. It looks like it's from a different studio. But I was fine with that. And the Pixar stuff that you do get is you get that 
heartfelt emotion and you get the waterworks that they're trying to get out of you at the end by making you cry by being all emotional and all that stuff really worked for me you know I thought it was a solid story about these two boys you know that are completely different and they it's one of, it's like a coming of age movie where kids hang out over the summer and they learn things about themselves and about each other and how they grow and how it's supposed to be like this is just one chapter of their lives but they're never ever going to forget it and you know I thought that was you know really well done I liked the relationship between Luca and Alberto you know they had some good chemistry together the two voice actors were great We've talked a lot about um, Jacob Tremblay uh, before in other uh, podcasts. Oh, was, it, was it Jacob that, That's who played Luca. Okay. And he is great. Yep. And then uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, who was in Shazam, and he was also in It. He was the hypochondriac kid, or who thought he was a hypochondriac, Eddie Kasprak or whatever. So uh, Jack Dylan Grazer, he played Alberto. You know, that like that was a really solid cast. And, you know, I thought they both, like, brought the dramatic chops to an animated movie. Like, it didn't feel like they... Or just in a recording studio just reading their lines like you know they gave Jacob Tremblay and Jack Dylan Grazer they gave genuine performances like they had in It and Shazam or um, The Room or Dr. Sleep or something like that. Jacob Tremblay is fantastic and it kind of makes a lot of sense now that you've mentioned who the voices were behind them. Um, definitely uh, they're no slouches, both of those kids right? Um, but also knowing how young the voice actors are um, I, I feel like Roblox may have had an influence on this movie because <laughs> I said earlier that there's a lot of oofs. I, I found myself rewinding each oof to make sure it wasn't the Roblox oof because yeah. I I was also looking out for flosses in this movie. I'll be real. Um, there wasn't any. So oh, okay. good job, Disney Pixar. <laughs> um, but I always have to like keep an eye out for that stuff because the first time he, I don't know, he gets hit in the chest or something, he goes oof, and I'm like, did they just do that? Are they are they like actually oofing in the movie? Because that's like a bit of a, a meme these days. But regardless of that, they 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 brought their A game. And to circle back uh, about the heart, I mean, it's Disney Pixar. That's what they're going to get right at least. Yeah, you're always going to get that and. That's what really held the movie together, like the actual heart and the actual story it was telling about these two boys and their relationship and also the themes about like, you know, having to hide your true identity. And since this takes place in the 50s and 60s, you know, I'm sure there's many allegories that you, that you could draw with that. But, you know, I thought all those themes uh, worked generally well. And it was those main, it was those characters and the ideas and the overall story that held it together because the actual plot itself, that was a little clunky spread thin is it, the, what it, i was spread gonna thin it, it felt like they had the idea but they weren't sure what to do with the story it's like all right so he's up at the surface world and he meets a boy all right then what do they do uh they want to win a vespa so they can go drive all over the world and escape like okay so now what uh there's a triathlon and they got to win the prize money and it's like it's also felt like we need a bad guy we don't have an antagonist oh here's a sebulba Basically, <laughs> that's what it felt like. If yeah. he, he felt like Sebulba when he rides in his Very Vespa true. and he goes up to uh, the little girl because she's like the rival and he's like, Isubasa. And I was like, uh oh. But, <laughs> but no, it's like the, the overall narrative with like how it develops the characters where it's like the big climax is this triathlon. I was just kind of eh about. There's a little too many threads for me because you, you have the thread or the conflict between Luca and Alberto. And you have the conflict between Julia and uh, Sebulba. I forget the guy's name, um, but he's an asshole. Uh, and then you have like the a kind of a thread going on between Alberto and Ju uh, Julia's father, which kind of is is swept aside. Um, there, there's a lot of characters, and I think they focus on the the 
the wrong kind of relationships. It really could have just been, you know, uh, the kids, the four mm -hmm. kids, the the two uh, sea monster boys, Julia and the asshole kid. They didn't. They wouldn't have had to, you know, uh, do the whole subplot where Alberto knows fish, and that's how they make the money to get into the the race. It just feels like it takes too many detours when it should have just gotten to the point. Well, it's weird because the movie is with credits like an hour and 35 minutes. And it, it, does, it doesn't feel like that though. It feels like it's a longer movie. Mm -hmm. And that's where like the pacing kind of was just like clunky and structure was a little rocky. And that's the thing, but I enjoyed all the characters, you know, like I liked uh, Julia, like she, uh, she was funny, she was spunky. And then like, I liked her father character a lot. And I liked the way he was animated where he just like, his eyes are basically perpetually closed. It looks like, and um, how he's missing an arm and, and just like, you know, it's a casual little line too, where it's like, they make him have like this prejudice against sea monsters or the whole town like hates sea monsters. And like their whole folk folklore is all about hunting sea monsters and killing them. And he even makes a little joke like, oh, sea monster took my arm it's like oh no i came into this world i'm like oh that's nice that it wasn't something like actually violent like a sea monster like it could have gone the way of like a sea monster took my arm like captain ahab and he's gonna kill them all but no they make you know they have his character to be the one that hates sea monsters but then at the end of the movie he comes out and say no these are you know i like uh, these aren't monsters these are alberto and luca and so i get why his character was there but it's just like you have that element at the end where Luca's going to go to school with Julia and Alberto's like, oh, he wants me to stay behind and help him out with the fishing business and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, okay. That seems kind of forced in there. But, you know, it's just, it's all there to wrap up a tiny little bow, you right. know, just to resolve the story. But if those things weren't there to wrap up in the first place, I feel like it might have been a little cleaner. But again, it, I feel like need to have the, the gruff dad character to have the change of heart at the end. You know, it is kind of like boxes to be checked. But a few boxes could have been just taken away entirely. So you're talking about checking boxes. A big one was right before the third act when the big reveal happens and Alberto is revealed to be a sea monster when he's pushed into the beach. And Julia's like, oh my God, sea monster. And Sebulba and his crew, they uh, have their spears or harpoons are like, ah, sea monster. And Luca is like all looking scared and everything. It's like, is he gonna, is he gonna reveal he's a sea monster too? No, he's like sea monster, sea monster, and he singles out uh, Alberto because they had a big fight beforehand. Because Alberto is not happy that Luca spending so much time with Julia, and then immediately Luca feels bad about it. He's like, oh my god, I shouldn't have shunned him. I shouldn't have done that. Blah blah blah. And Julia is all afraid of him being a sea monster. And literally the next scene, it's revealed to Julia that Luca is also a sea monster when she throws water on him, and she's just immediately like, oh okay. Let me help you out. She just doesn't care that she just fucking shunned and exiled Alberto. But Luca, I guess it's because they're friends now. Right, and, and you're, you're absolutely right. It's in the, the scene following that. It's like they, they push him down, then they go back to her home, and he's like Luca's manic, and she throws like a, a glass of water, and he gets she sees his fish hands, and she's like, oh, it all makes sense even though I just created the uh, conflict of the third plot. Yeah. <laughs> it's immediately resolved. Yeah, and then Luca, he ends up going back to Alberto's little fort that he has built, and he uh, they have a little heart-to-heart, -heart, and he's like, oh, I shouldn't have done that and everything, and Alberto's like, whatever, just leave me alone. And Luca's like, okay, whatever, I'm going to go do the race tomorrow anyway and win us all the Vespa money. And then in the big uh, triathlon scene when Luca's riding the bike, and oh, no, it's raining, everybody's going to see. And then what happens? Alberto's running up with a big old umbrella, and it's just very satisfying. It's just still satisfying character moment it's like even though it was completely rushed you know it still feels satisfying when you see him running up
up with the umbrella and then it just gets blown away anyways and then kind of all hell breaks loose and everybody sees that they're sea monsters and it's just one of those things where it's just like the writer just like oh wait we need to have a conflict between uh, Luca and Alberto suddenly Right, and it's like they don't want to go full bore and be like he's mad that he has a girlfriend, but that that's like the long and short of what it is. And it's that surface level, hot pun intended, uh, stuff that still works in this Disney Pixar movie because it's a family movie. It's lighthearted. I mean, what kind of conflict are you really going to get into of, you know, you know, other than friendship broken, friendship fixed now, you know, and... Everybody's happy at the end. Uh, I think what a couple of the townspeople were sea monsters the whole time too. So everybody has the change of heart, and yeah. then asshole Sabalba gets I think punched in the face or, you know, thrown in water or something. So he gets his comeuppance, but then everybody's cool. It has to be that way, you know. So you can't really fault it too much for being surface level, but you're right. It certainly is satisfying when you know best friend has change of heart and he comes to save the day even though it flies off the the railings right yeah and even then like with how their whole dilemma and conflict is just immediately resolved with just like one scene you're just like oh okay but then you got to also keep in mind like yeah it's a movie for kids primarily it's a family movie it, you know you got to have those beats you got to have a the kids be concerned that, oh no, Luca and Alberto aren't friends anymore. It's like, what's going to happen? And so I get why they had that, but it's just one of those things where it was just like, it's like, I know what's going to happen. And it's just the way it's like, the way that it's just so rushed to, where it's literally the next scene is like, it kind of like, it changes. Like it could have used at least like five minutes in between, like a little montage of show. I know it's cliche, but a little montage of showing Luca looking all depressed over here, and it shows Alberto over here. And He's on the island, like yeah. stoking a fire, maybe yeah. a single tear. Yeah, or something. So, so yeah, something like that. But it just feels like it was like, oh, we need them to have a little breakup moment. And it's like, okay, they broke up. Now let's get them back together because we have ten minutes of the script left. Right, we got to get to the race. Yeah, but still, you know, when it comes to the ending, you know, spoilers. When it comes to the ending, and uh, Luca's going off to school, and they're all hugging by the train tracks and everything, and. Um, Alberto was like, oh, I'm always going to be with you and you're like, you know, in your heart and this, this and that. I was like, oh, it's like, you know, that, that kind of stuff works for me. And it's just mostly because like the main relationship with the two boys was authentic. It seemed genuine. Like they're, they're two best buds yeah. that, that found a, uh, a friendship in something that, oh, I guess that something that Luca wasn't supposed to do. He kind of showed him like, hey, there's more to life, you know, that, that, that kind of stuff. It's, it's all feel good. And it wouldn't feel good if one of them died at the end or something like that or someone no. got speared in the heart because, I mean, they're talking about hunting sea monsters the whole time. It's, you know, a threat maybe, but, you know, nobody's going to die in a Pixar movie. Yeah, but, it, you know, it's an appropriate Disney ending and it's, uh, you know, narratively satisfying when you see Luca riding in the train, leaning out the window and it starts raining and he's showing his fish self. And I was like, oh, that's great. It does make me think, though, and this is just me being an asshole and just thinking about it too hard if I was thinking I was like alright it's like he's gonna go to school and they have this throwaway line it's like they're never gonna accept him it's like some of them won't I'm like okay so this this town this like uh, Italian town uh, right by the coast it wasn't until just now that sea monsters are 100% confirmed to be real 
Like in the opening scene, there's a guy talking about sea monsters when he's riding out in a boat and the other guy in the boat's like, oh, those are just uh, tall tales and blah, blah, blah. So it's implied that sea monsters aren't like officially confirmed to exist. And now that they are, I'm just like, I don't see it going as like simple as they think it's going to go with him going to school. It's like, what the fuck is that? It's just like with, with all the allegories of you have to hide your true self and everything like that. I was like, you know, this movie is like with where it's actually going in the sequel, it would open up some very uh, dark and realistic avenues i feel like oh absolutely because like that i did pay attention to that line too they're like some of them won't i'm like yeah i get it okay some assholes are racist against fish or people who are different sure but like this whole town by the sea just had like the entirety of the town had a change of heart some of the citizens um are fish people are going to a different a completely different place maybe even landlocked who like you said they're, they haven't confirmed fish people yet, so who's going to catch this guy, you know, out, coming out of the shower, you know, because probably co-ed dorms or something like that, and be like, ah, fish person, and stab him or something like that, because mm -hmm. it's not like, oh, this person looks different. That's like, ah, that, that, that's it's quite, a monster. quite literally a monster, yeah. you know, with lizard eyes and a tail and stuff, and I, and I understand the metaphor and allegory that it's going for, but just like you, I can't help but think of the, ram <laughs> the the actual ramifications yeah but of course you know it's, it's a disney movie he's gonna have a grand old time at school and learn things about the the universe sure and they show that in the credits yeah. you know they have the anime the drawings of him at school with uh, julia he's living with her mom and writing letters with alberto and they're still friends so yeah you know you know there's not going to be a sequel but it's a very open and shut satisfying story it's just one of those things that it's just how my how my brain goes where i'm just like hmm I don't know if that's going to school is going to work out the way you think you I've like. seen too many like college and high school movies and seen too many like movie bullies to be like, yeah, he's not going to have a good time. Well, what happened, like, what's going to happen when the bullies give him a swirly and they stick his head in there and they pull him out and he has a fish head? And he's like, haha, joke's on you, asshole. I liked it. They, the bully just like freaks the fuck out. And just, like, I mean, he's got sharp fish teeth. He could fuck somebody yeah, up. He he's could. got like fish, no, not really fish claws, but he's got a tail. He tail smap him. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I, I like the overall idea of yes. uh, uh, fish people, they come out on the surface, they turn to humans. Why? Who cares? Because that's what the movie's about. It's yeah. supposed to be an allegory for identity and hiding your true self. Right. I mean, the Little Mermaid exists, and it's, that, it's that happens to, to her that. where she loses her tail and gets feet. So, yeah. you know, it's not uncommon for that to be a, a theme where it's like, oh, quite literally, fish out of water. Yeah, and you know, it's, it starts off as a uh, Little Mermaid, where it's like, I want to be up there, and then it turns into Star Wars Episode One, where it's like, we got to get the money to get the, to win the race, so we can get out of here. Well, didn't you catch that that homage to like when they're fixing up the Vespa and he, J, the Jason Tremblay is like, it's working, it's working, <laughs> it's working. And then the other uh, the other scene where uh, Jacob Tremblay jumps off of the counter, he's like, yippee. Oh, I like the one where Alberto puts his head in between the two fusion drives of the Vespa and it gets zapped and he goes... Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I was just going to say there was no comic relief character, like animal character. I guess the little cat. Giuseppe the cat, the, the maybe. Yeah, but he's in like three yeah, scenes. Yeah, but no, no Jar Jar Binks. No annoying stuff in this movie. I'm kind of relieved. Yeah, the only annoying thing that I had with this movie, and you know... The guy who directed this, I know he's Italian. He grew up in the Italian countryside and he based a lot of this movie off his youth and everything and how he had a friend that was just like Alberto who was all extrovert and everything. So it just felt like with this movie, another thing was like Pixar and Disney were hyping it up. It's just like, we sent our animators to the Italian countryside so they can like accurately you know, depict that. And like the setting was beautiful and everything like that. But I felt like with the writing and the directing, it felt a little... Um, 
like have your having your cake and eating it too, I guess, with the whole Italian aspect of it because yeah. it's like, oh yeah, it takes place in Italy, and it's like you know we sent animators to Italy to make it uh, to make sure it's accurate and everything, but we have um, our main Italian characters have American accents. And it's just like, like a Julia, she doesn't really have an Italian sounding accent. Her dad does. And oh, I yeah. think they actually casted like Italian people for some of the adults. But it's just like, I know they're also sea people and they won't have the same accent as people in Italy, blah, blah, blah. But it's just one of those things where it's like, uh, we're totally in Italy, but we don't have Italian actors. And it's also the thing with uh, the expressions that the Julia character would use, which I, maybe... Italians do say uh, uh, mama mozzarella or something like that when they're uh, expressing something, but it felt like it was uh, like Mario. Yeah, well that, that's what I had said to you before the podcast that some of this movie feels like you took your controller on Mario 64 and, and left it on the ground for 10 minutes and he falls asleep and goes, ah, spaghetti, <laughs> ah, the meatball. And it's, you mentioned that the creator, or the, the director of this movie, you know, based a lot on his childhood, so you can't fault that, but I agree with you. Some of the times and some of the exclamations I made me scratch my head a little, or it's like, yeah, I don't know about that. It, it, it just felt borderline stereotypical, I yes. guess. And especially with like everybody speaking English, I have no problem against that. And you know, and obviously when this is released in Italy, it's going to be localized and have an Italian cast. And that would be interesting to watch just yeah. as like as an, a genuine Italian cast. But it's like, you know, they're speaking English, but there were always certain words that they would put the accents on. And it just like, whenever they would do that, it would just take me out of it because I'm just like, okay, like if they're going to have straight up American accents, don't make them suddenly put the accents on certain Like for words. Silencio Bruno, yeah, yeah, when yeah. you say that, or like you said, Julia would exclaim something. And, and I, the mama mozzarella is the one that I kind of focused on. I well. rewound the movie. I, 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 I straight up, she was like, she, she, and I don't even know if it's mama mozzarella, but she basically says that. She's like, mama mozzarella. And I was just like, wait, 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 wait. And I rewound the movie and she did indeed say that. And I was just like, that's so bizarre. <laughs> it's just like, like you said, it's like Mario. <laughs> well, perhaps it's um, maybe maybe it's like a replacement for something that's more religious, like a uh, the Italian version of like Ah oh, Mother Teresa or God damn it or something like that. Yeah, and they're not comfortable putting it in a kids movie. Maybe yeah, because maybe like it would be like those Catholic expressions, you know? They were, right, yeah, right, kind of like. Um, one of my favorite movies, uh, The Love Guru, and how Justin uh, Timberlake is a French guy in that movie, and he goes Tabernacle. That's like uh, like the French goddamn it, right? Okay. So I, but that's a rated R film. So and, and it's got buckets of piss in it. So you totally can say uh, religious things, right? But in a kids movie, I would understand if they're like, oh, maybe replace that with something more benign, like Mama Mozzarella. But why can't she just say like something? less stereotypical that yeah. has to do with cheese. I mean, I also got taken aback when they said that part of the triathlon was pasta. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing. Every triathlon out there is biking, running, and swimming. And this one, no, it's swimming, and then you got to eat a whole bowl of pasta, and then you have to bike uphill. And, I, and that was the same thing where I, it just caught me off guard, where I was like, really? But then I thought, like, the dude who made this is actually Italian, and he he's he from he's Italy doing. and like he knows what he's doing and so I'm just like he's obviously 
okay with it. And it's just like, and it doesn't make me like uncomfortable or anything. It's just weird. It's just we, we, like we, we have to raise an eyebrow and be like, whoa. Yeah, it's like you know, no, no, no one thought anything about Mario in 1996 saying "Mamma Mia" or uh, "Arrivederci" whenever he dies. Right. <laughs> but um, like now, it's just like when you're watching it's supposed to be the authentic Italian movie and then you have characters saying mama mozzarella it just kind of it takes you out of it and just makes you question huh I, I'd love to ask the director just be like why it's just like I'm not offended I don't care like it, I want to know but I just want to know I'm just like do you guys legitimately use like pasta expressions yeah am I ignorant I don't know yeah no, there's no way for us what are we going to do like google mama mozzarella like I'm sure that's a brand of cheese out there somewhere yeah for one so it's it at certain points that it felt like it was so on the nose with like the that sort of stuff where they're like oh it's the swimming part we're gonna cover him with olive oil you know <laughs> that's another... <laughs> yeah not not grease him up or anything like that it's gotta be it's olive oil it's olive oil that was a funny scene where that... he's greased up with olive oil then all the little anchovy fish are all latching onto him and yeah. he's screaming that kid looked like uh, Thurman Merman. From Bad Santa. It's the yeah. first thing I thought of. Little blonde fat kid. Little blonde yeah. fat kid with his uh, shirt ticked into his shorts. You know, I, I thought that was... I was thinking, I was like, is that supposed to be inspired by that kid? A little too uncanny. I will say about the pasta, uh, I can't remember the last time an animated movie made me so hungry since Ratatouille. All of those scenes, scenes, especially when he's eating the Alfredo pasta that the dad makes... I was like, oh, I could go for some of that right now. There were so many times I was watching this movie, even when they're just eating the sauceless noodles, I was like, bro, I'd totally shovel that down right now. No, they got to be good noodles. They're handmade back in the 50s and 60s. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. It's like straight from Italy. It's like, oh, yeah. It's That's just, the good shit. But yeah, no, it was a good, good looking food. That, that, that was where the movie was the most like realistically detailed. It was like, we're going to make this food look fucking pristine. It don't look cartoony. We're going to want to make you hit up your local Italian eatery. Another thing that I, I wanted to say, because I, I keep, feeling like um like the movie's beautiful i want to say that the movie's beautiful especially when they get to like the evening and the sunsets mm -hmm. and the night sky the movie is absolutely astounding um animated wise i mean there's two these are two biggest giants or the two top dogs in animated movies right now is disney and pixar so although it's inspired by the hokey style and proportions of wallace and gromit and maybe a little bit of studio ghibli the movie does create its own identity mm -hmm. and also again like some of the night skies are just astounding or specifically like the sunset scenes where it's like really just bathed in orange I feel like that's pretty close to the colors and palettes of the Italian countryside. Yeah, and that's what I mean by, you know, Pixar or Disney saying that they sent their animators there. And, you know, they're not the only studio. That's what movie studios do for yeah, production design, especially for animation. To, for Lion King. Yeah, it's like, yeah, you know, they actually want to make it look authentic. So, yeah, I can imagine them looking at sunsets, you know, drawing that and, you know, recreating it. And, yeah, no, like the environments were gorgeous. Uh, there are a couple scenes here where... Uh, when Luca, when uh, Alberto first tells Luca about how all the stars in the sky are actually fish swimming up there, and then the moon is the big fish, and Luca imagines it as this elaborate fantasy sequence where they're in the sky with all the fish, and then he learns for real about like that they're actually stars, and he learns about space, and there's like a little fantasy sequence in his head where he's like running on the rings of Saturn or something like that. A lot of very visually creative stuff like that, and you know, I could, you know, I could see the kids being really into it. There's a lot. The characters are funny looking. You know, they're quirky and silly, and uh, the human story, you know, I'm sure plenty of maybe like older kids could identify with that, like the whole friendship angle and all that. But, you know, it's something I can see kids 
really enjoying too. Yeah, I mean, Pixar's not gonna, like I said earlier, neither of these uh, studios are slouches yeah. and they, they know what the heck they're doing when it comes to movies for all ages. So mm-hmm. definitely gonna be successful. I mean, they never aren't. I have a question for you, Grant. And I have a question for the movie executives out there who are in charge of the animated movies. Is Maya Rudolph gonna voice every mom in animated movies from now on? I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it too, but it's like just... she's so fantastic in uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh-huh. Like, oh my goodness! Plus, I, I like her in like the live action stuff that she does. She's really good in the Good Place. Um, yeah, she's just everywhere, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I like Maya Rudolph, and you know, a lot of SNL actors they kind of have spotty careers afterwards. So I'm glad that she's doing well for herself. Yeah, but it was just funny fun. that right when the mom started speaking, I was like, hey. I was like, is that Maya Rudolph? And I looked up in my phone. I was like, it is. And we just watched The Mitchells vs. the Machines like a month ago. That's crazy because they didn't make the mom monster, see monster, they look anything like her. No. Yet The Mitchells vs. the Machines, like you know it's Maya Rudolph before that character even opens her mouth. You're like, oh. Yeah. And that's her. <laughs> yeah, they, they do kind of design her to look like that. And uh, But in this one, yeah, the character, when even when she turns into human form, she looks nothing like Maya Rudolph. I'd rather they make her you know, I, look yeah, like an Italian Yeah, I don't Italian want them man. to look exactly like their But she's killing actor. It. But yeah, no, and, she, and she's great. You know, I, I like her a lot. But it's, it's just one of those funny things where it's like just a month ago, she was the voice of the mom in The Mentals of the Machines. And now she's the voice of the mom in here. She's going to become the, the, Jennifer, the animated Jennifer Garner. I, I remember doing this a couple years. Ago. I think it was when Peppermint came out. Remember that Jennifer Garner movie? She plays a mom in that. That was when she uh, finally got mom bingo. She, 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 got, played, she had played every type of mom. And now she got to be the badass killer mom. Right. That, that can shoot people's head off with a shotgun. Yeah. But Peppermint's an okay movie. Yeah, but, absolutely. But I remember when I saw that, the trailer, when Peppermint came out, I was like, really? It's like now she's a mom in this one, but it's different. And I looked it up on IMDb and she has like seven or eight credits where she plays a mother just within the past decade. And there, I swear to God, there was one. Uh, well, there was one movie where her character's name was just Mom. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, poor Jennifer Gardner. It's just like she's now regulated to playing the mom. She's character. making that money though. Yeah, she, she she's got it. She's that and her uh, Capital One Neutrogena. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The commercials, <laughs> but. Maya Rudolph, you know, if we give it a couple more years, you're gonna go down her IMDb page. Like, oh, she played the mom in this, and she played the mom in that, and so, just funny little observation. So, yeah, I, I was glad with Luca. It didn't feel like celebrity stunt casting or anything like that. It felt like all the actors were appropriately cast. They all did a good job, and yeah, overall, you know, it was a nice looking movie. Had a decent story and everything. The actual narrative and plot was a little clunky with conveying that. But overall, you know, it's a middling, mid-tier Pixar movie, but I enjoyed it. I give it like a seven out of 10. I'm right there with you, bud. It's it's a middling Pixar movie. Um, when we spoke before this, um, our general consensus was, at worst, it's gonna be meh. Like, these guys don't make a bad product. At, at worst, they make, you know, a middling product. And th- this one, for lack of a better word, checked all the boxes, albeit too many. So I, I still give it a seven out of 10. and. It's still eye candy. It's it's not like injected into my eyes like the missing link kind of thing, but it, it looks pretty damn good. So yeah, go see Luca, or AKA The Shape of Water Part Two. Maybe this one will get an Oscar.